Welcome back to Courtside, and this is an episode that will actually be based on two parts. Uh, the first part we're going to do about the Eastern Conference and where we are right now in the NBA playoffs. A lot of shocks. I mean, I'm actually recording this right after the Boston Celtics Philadelphia 76er game one of round two, and I don't. I mean, again, <laughs> a lot of talk about in that game. Uh, the Boston Celtics stunned at home, but we'll go r- jump right into it. Uh, so we'll talk about that, a little bit of Celtics and what happened with Milwaukee and how that looks to be continuing on with even more Miami Heat surprising the world in New York Mad Square Garden with the game one. So we'll talk about that and more in this part one. And then, of course, part two, which will probably come up after this episode. Honestly, I got a lot of adrenaline in me right now after that entire Celtics game and also doing a podcast for Plug Talk Sports, another outlet that I do, uh, that I do majority of it blogs, but of course, a lot of podcasts for them as well. So I got a lot of adrenaline in me. One part will be Eastern Conference being this one. And then the next part two, Western Conference. I know that Kevin Durant and the Suns are in a close one right now with Denver in game two. But we'll be t- giving you more of that on this episode of Courtside. This episode of Courtside Podcast is brought to you by YouTube channels, Highway Temptation, and Captain Barbo, who make content on YouTube weekly. If you're a really huge Castle Crashers guy like I am myself, Captain Barbo had a recent video out, a short one, about 8-10 minutes, not a lot of time on it, but still, always entertaining every single second. He had a recent video about Castle Crashers with him and a couple of his friends going through that game, and of course, as well as Highway Temptation, if you like Sonic and Sonic Reviews, Trust me, they got you covered. They do every single Sonic game of the book, starting from the first one all the way to the most recent. So don't forget to check out those YouTube channels on YouTube. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. So as I mentioned before earlier in this podcast that the Celtics, they lost this game one against Philadelphia. And it's probably the biggest shock I've had throughout this entire playoffs besides the Miami Heat winning out the first series against the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. But this is just ridiculous. I wasn't watching the full game. I had a lot of things going on. I was just moving stuff back to my hometown here in South Florida. And then I had to go to the gym with some friends. So I'm watching like the game on TV. Celtics after the first quarter shooting 85% from the floor. I'm like, wow, they're going to be probably going away with this game later on in the second part of it. But no, James Harden. I don't know what it was. But I think he kind of woke up after that Brooklyn Nets series. He actually realized that, hey, maybe I should start attacking the basket a little bit more. Especially with Joel Embiid out. And yes, Joel Embiid was out in this first game in the Boston Celtics series in round two for Philadelphia. Because of some knee issues that he had at the end of the Brooklyn series. And James Harden, I guess, I'm not saying he took advantage of it. But when Ben Simmons was playing his best basketball as a 76er, it was when Joel Embiid was not on the floor. That's my personal opinion about it because he's more able to at least attack the basket and be more on ball, which, of course, Ben Simmons needs the ball to do something. And same goes for James Harden, who had the ball a majority of the time. I think just about what, like 70% of the possessions tonight, he had the ball in his hands. And James Harden, he cooked, tying his playoff record high in points. He ended up finishing with, and yes, record high, not Houston James Harden, but Philadelphia James Harden. Finished with 45 points, nearly 39 and a half minutes. Unreal. And one of those baskets that he scored, a last second heave from three, kind of similar to the Trey Young shot that we saw in game five against the Celtics, where Trey Young had 38 points coming in. And he ended up hitting a 38 footer, nothing but net. James Harden does the same thing over Al Horford, a highly contested shot. He makes it down for three to win it. And the Celtics 
are stunned in TD Garden. Philadelphia taking 119 to 115 after game one. And this is the first time the Celtics have been down in a series. And Philadelphia staying undefeated in the postseason so far after their sweep with the Brooklyn Nets. Going to Boston to take the game. I think this game, if you're a Celtic fan, again, this is the only game one. I wouldn't be too worried. Jason Tatum, 39 points. The offense did their job. If I'm a Celtic and I'm looking at these two games in Boston before this game one, I was probably looking at, we need to run away with these games. We need to dominate these games without Joel Embiid because there's no way that we go into Philadelphia and we confidently say, hey, the series is tied or we're down 2-0, but let's win two in Philly. I don't know about that one. And now you look at this series 1-0 and you look at this game, it's like, how did the Celtics allow this? How did they allow this? Defense was probably the biggest thing that a lot of people are talking about right now on NBA Twitter. The Celtics defense, despite, again, as I mentioned before, this is a team that shot 85% from the floor in the first quarter and above 50% throughout the entire game. They ended up finishing with 115 points. In today's NBA standards, it's pretty good. But defensively, allowing James Harden and Tyrese Maxey, who, believe it or not, had less than 10 points at the halftime, finishes off 26 points. Both him and James Harden combined for 54 shot attempts. 54. There should be no reason, and for a Boston Celtic team who came into this postseason as one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, one of the more dominant teams in the NBA to be favored to win a championship, there should be no reason why a single player should be scoring more than 40, let alone more than 30 points, unless it's a magical night. Unless it's a magical night, there should be no reason. And it was a magical night for James Harden, who had a little bit left in the Houston bag that he brought from 2017 into 2023. James Harden, who I don't even think he had a 30-point game in the Brooklyn Nets series. I, I, I didn't even think he was going to be a factor in this series against the Celtics. But with no Joel Embiid and James Harden just dominating throughout the way, the Philadelphia 76ers able to get one. And again, off of four points... So I think that's also a bright side for the Celtic fans. Yes, you do drop a game one in TD Garden. But at the same time, James Harden needed 45 points to salvage a four-point win over the Celtics. You can look at it whatever way you want. The way I'm looking at it is that the Celtics, offensively, they could stick with this team and still was not the best game offensively, believe it or not, for the Boston Celtics. Besides Jason Tatum with 39 points, Jalen Brown had 23 80% from the field, incredible. But you look at the other guys, right? Derek White, 4 points, 1 of 5 from the floor. Marcus Smart, 12 points. And he was active, but he was missing a lot from 3, though. Actually, he missed both his shots from 3. Then he got a single shot from beyond the arc. Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench, 20 points. That's something you need. The only question I would have for the Boston Celtics, and I understand Joe Mazzulla, more of an offensive coach than what their previous... Ime Adoka. Does Joe bring in Grant Williams after this game? You don't have Rob starting. You gotta have a start Rob in the next game. I think that's that's a must. You wanna have Rob, you wanna put that solidifier out there in front. Because I understand Al Horford, better offensive component to the roster than Robert Williams in some sort of perimeter game that Joe loves to play at. But man, you gotta bring in Grant Williams defensively. For a Celtic team that was up 66 to 63. At the half, their offense was cooking no matter what happened. You got to bring in a defensive piece. Like they had Sam Hauser playing more minutes 
than Grant Williams tonight. Sam Hauser, what are they doing? And nothing. And I'm not bashing Sam Hauser here. I'm not. Sam Hauser, great end of the year and during the regular season. You know, phenomenal shooter and again an offensive piece that is more accurate than some people realize. But you got Sam Hauser, Grant Williams. Just about sharing four minutes each. Like, Grant Williams, he started this season, at least gave you ten minutes. He is known to be deep playoff guy rotation-wise. I mean, shoot, round two against Milwaukee last year. What was Grant Williams doing? Knocking down threes. He was the X-factor in that one. Payne Pritchard has not been involved at all this year's playoffs. And, again, I don't know exactly how he'll fit between a Derek White, Marcus Smart, rotation with Malcolm Brogdon I don't know how that's going to look like but I feel like this would need to be a little bit of a roster mix mismatch this needs to be mixed up because you can't have Tyreek's Maxey giving you 20 points you can't have James Harden giving you a 40 piece which I don't believe will happen again in this series but then again I've been wrong before about Stephen Curry I didn't believe Stephen Curry was going to go crazy in the last bit of their series in round one against the Kings but they did of course I'll talk about that in part two but the, for the Celtics themselves this is a game that they had enough to win it. They really did. The James Harden part, though, I mean, you just can't control that. And I mentioned before, for a lot of people outside of this podcast, I'll mention it now here, to at least put on the record somewhere. But with Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks shooting 65 or better from the floor in Game 3 in that Round 1 series against the Celtics, and then for Trey to also get 38 points in a buzzer-beater shot, basically last-minute heave to salvage out Game 5. Like, besides that, the Celtics probably had that series easy through, like, five games or so. You can't, if you're the Boston Celtics, you can't have that happen. you got to be able to finish out these games, and especially in the second half. This used to be a huge fourth quarter team. Defensive fourth quarter team. Offensive, stagnant. They were probably one of the best teams to watch in the second half of any NBA game for the past five years, this Boston Celtics team. And, of course, things have changed. The roster has changed. The mindset has changed. The coaching staff absolutely changed in the past three years. But you cannot tell me that those pieces do not stay with the Celtics. It has to stay in the back of Brad Stevens' mind, in the front office as well. Why why are the Celtics, who are doing these phenomenal stretches in the first quarter offensively, not able to close out games through the second half? Like the third quarter, I was watching... And it's like, man, why is Philadelphia still in this? I understand James Harden's going, but now with Tyrese Maxey, he's getting shots open. He's getting layups. And there was also even a layup where I think the shot clock expired. The referees just let him roll through the basket. I don't understand it. I think the Celtics, this is a punch in their mouth. I think they do rebound after this. I really don't believe that the 76ers should make it past the second round against the Celtics team. And again, if they do going against potentially the Heat or the Knicks. Don't really know exactly how that's going to look like. And again, I mean, I'm going to talk about that one later on in this podcast. But for the Boston Celtics, shocker. Absolute shocker. Losing 119 to 115. But I also do want to say one last thing before I move on to the next series. Jalen Brown, 23 points in this one, shot 80%. There was a tweet that I saw on NBA Twitter. There's some things that have been going around NBA Twitter saying that Jalen Brown has been getting worse and worse year by year. I want to say that's an absolute false fact. False. Heavily false. 
Jalen Brown put up what he needed to put up. Jason Tatum did what he needed to do. As I mentioned before earlier, they just defensively, they just struggled. And I mean, it's got to come down to Joe Mazzula changing the roster a little bit in the rotations for game two. I want more Rob minutes. I want more Rob minutes. I really do. I don't care if Rob barely even gets you above 10 points. Like just he's an X factor on both sides of the court. And for the Celtics to, again, I love Al Horford. I think what he does offensively for this team to have a big man that can do a pick and pop and actually make them threes confidently. And then that's huge, especially in the playoffs. But we're talking about, I mean, this is going to be a series that's going to go down to the wire, in my opinion, now. If the Celtics, defensively, how they look like after this game, and I understand James Harden's not going to give you 45, let alone make more than half of a 30-shot attempt night. But if this is going to look like a defensive, struggling team throughout this throughout this series, I would probably have to say. I don't know about the playoffs, but throughout this series, if the Celtics continue to struggle defensively, this will go seven games. I, I still have the Celtics probably in six games, five games. But this will go seven games. If the Celtics defense cannot keep control of Maxi, which the Brooklyn Nets failed to do, even though the Brooklyn Nets had chances to win out game three and game four. But Maxi, Tyrese Maxi, phenomenal kid out of Kentucky, definitely has grown into his role in Philadelphia. Probably even, you even argue he's a top three player over there in Philly over Tobias Harris. And Tobias Harris also had a pretty good stat line as well with Milton. And Milton actually went off pretty quick to start off the game to keep them in tangled with the Celtics back and forth but again back to the Celtics defensively they gotta step up I know Joe Mazzula is not Ime Adoka. I know that for a fact but offensively the team looks great but offense doesn't win championships it really doesn't if a team can't shoot they can't win that's the bottom line of that but now on to the other part of the Eastern Conference the New York Knicks hosting the Miami Heat in the second round. And yes, you did hear me right. The New York Knicks hosting the number eight seed Miami Heat in the second round. This is honestly a series that I was knocking on wood, praying to God it would actually happen because these two teams are in the regular season. I forgot what the record was during the regular season, but I always went down to the wire, last minute shots. And for a rivalry like a 1990s rivalry like the Heat Knicks, the Pat Riley series, it's alive and well right now. And now with new characters of the New York Knicks who have been probably on the better side of things in the past four years with Jalen Brunson who has been a phenomenal piece for them and a lot of people were kind of doubting about that before the season was starting the offseason when they signed him for what, four years, $104 million. That's definitely been uh, disputed. I don't think a single person will ever even conversate that this was a bad deal now with Jalen Brunson. And to do it as well to the Cavaliers in the first round through five games, which was ridiculous. I mean, I think it was Garrett Allen who had a quote from Bleacher Report that the lights were too bright. The moment was too big. But for the Knicks themselves, after the first two games where they went back to Madison Square Garden with a 1-1 one one tie in the first round against the Cavs, R.J. Barrett stepped up with multiple 20-point games in Game 3 and Game 4. R.J. Barrett himself, out of the draft class he was in, he proved why he's a top three draft choice. He reminded people what he did at Duke. He definitely told people exactly what he's thinking. And 
a guy like RJ, I kind of feel like it's kind of similar with Jordan Poole with the Warriors. He kind of does struggle when he's frustrated with his game. I find him feel that he kind of forces himself. Um, but definitely in the Cavaliers series, he ended up bouncing back. Jalen Brunson played phenomenally head-to-head against Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, which Garland, and again, I mean, I'm always going to be saying this, but the Cavaliers definitely should have fixed their problems for the trade deadline. They had a core role with Karis LeVert. They did have no idea what was going on with that wing spot. And to have four of your main guys playing 40 minutes through an aggressive New York series, I thought it was going to be a really close series down to six, seven games. Knicks take it in five. And then the Miami Heat part of it, I mean, the Heat, Jimmy Butler's has been ridiculous. I know the last time I was on this podcast, I think it was the beginning of that series. Honestly, I wish I was more on this podcast, but life has just been going crazy recently. But, man, the Heat leave Milwaukee with a 1-1 series tied. Giannis Antetokounmpo comes back for Game 3 and Game 4. And it's like, man, this, this Milwaukee team should have wrapped it should be a 3-1 going back to milwaukee but no jimmy butler who averaged 36 and a half points per game in this series puts up a 56 piece in game four and then game five in milwaukee puts up 42 points and he ends up bringing the game to overtime with a last minute buzzer beater off a lot pass i believe it was from gabe vincent who was doing the inbound from the sideline in the last bit but also Mike Boonehoser, who had a timeout during the last couple of seconds of the fourth quarter, could have advanced the ball, but did it uh, when the Milwaukee Bucks were tied with like a half a second left and goes into overtime. And Mike Boonehoser with two timeouts, I don't even think he called one, let alone try to do a challenge or anything to kind of slow down the game while Miami Heat went on to win their game five in the Bucks' house and ended up going to the second round series against the Knicks. I think Mike Boonehoser and his coaching struggles. I think Tom Thibodeau kind of picked up on that, unfortunately for the Knicks, and moved on to that. Because at the end of this game, Jimmy Butler apparently rolled his ankle, he said, but it was almost like Josh Hart, who was having kind of a struggling game himself. He was not doing the best defensively, nor was he doing the best offensively at all for the New York Knicks. He ended up finishing off this game with only 10 points, through 40-plus minutes of play, which is crazy for Josh Hart, who's been a huge piece of this New York team, especially late in the second half of the regular season and into the playoffs, played a big part against the Cavs. But, man, Josh Hart kind of does a soccer slide straight into the right ankle of Butler, and obviously something was not right. Jimmy says it felt like it was rolled. It looked like it looked sprained something. I don't know. But Butler hobbling around. He could barely even jump for balls anymore. What I think... Tom Thibodeau, what he kind of messed up. How do you not attack Jimmy Butler? Butler barely even staying on the court. Basically used as a decoy by Eric Spolstra in the last like four minutes of this game. RJ Barrett had the ball. I think he was like hesitant to go against Jimmy Butler. That was the only time I really saw Jimmy Butler play defensively against a guy on the ball in the last few minutes. I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. The Miami Heat able to take one out in Madison Square Garden, 108-101 to against the Knicks. And a Knicks team that, again, the Garden, hard place to play in the playoffs, obviously, for better or worse reasons for the Knicks. It kind of went up against them. 
I'm mean, Knicks fans started leaving the building in the last two minutes. A lot of Heat people were yelling out, let's go Heat, in chance as Pat Riley's in the building where he kind of built this franchise in the 90s to be this powerhouse, defensive powerhouse. I'll probably leave it at that. Not winning powerhouse, of course. But the New York Knicks, they had a good offensive start. I'm thinking, yeah, they're going to win this one after the first quarter, after that second quarter. And then Miami opens up the three gates. Kevin Love, who has been doing outlet passes since college, has been QB1, even with Aaron Rodgers in the building that day. And yes, Aaron Rodgers, who is now a Jet. Phil old just saying that now. Kind of being, I mean, I always remind him as a Packer. Kind of, you know, let me say back to NBA talk, though. Kevin Love leading the way. I think Kevin Love, what did he have in this one? Nine points. Only played like about 16 minutes, which I was kind of shocked about. Because he did start in this one over Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin, kind of a low ball game. I was expecting more out of him. But Gabe Vincent, who I believe in the past three games has been probably one of the biggest pieces besides Jimmy Butler for this Miami offense. But, man, Kyle Lowry, though. The renaissance of Kyle Lowry coming back into his form. At his, and, again, this is a late part of his career. Kyle Lowry, 18 points through 30 minutes of play. And that's not even the crazy stat. He led the team in blocks. Four blocks. A lot of those blocks were kind of like those block steals where he's kind of trailing behind guys and kind of like swiping at the shots. But still, Kyle Lowry, 5-12 from the floor shooting. He was honestly with the ball nonstop at the end of the game. Of course, with Jimmy Butler with his injury used as a decoy. He was making the shots. He was keeping this team alive late. And Jimmy Butler, for those who are interested, finished with a double-double. 25 points, 11 rebounds. And Butler, I mean, they need Butler for the next game in this series. And that's probably the biggest question I have. Because Julius Randle, who was out due to injury in Game 1, he's questionable. For game two. As well as Jalen Brunson. Who has apparently a uh, ankle soreness. I should still be able to see him in game two. I think everyone should still be able to see him in game two. I think soreness. Especially an injury like that. Of course. You have to take into consideration. But it's the NBA playoffs. You need these games. So. For the Knicks themselves. They're looking at a full healthy roster coming in. Potentially. For Jimmy Butler. Who has rolled his ankle. And again. Still. There's no guarantee what exactly the injury is, let alone how bad it can get or how bad it is. But did Jimmy Butler play game two if Randall comes back? Or do you ship him back to Miami for game three? I believe if Julius Randall is playing in game two, and again, it's not guaranteed the Knicks win, but without Butler, there's no chance the Heat can really dominate this game and they'll need a hell of a game out of Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry. And Bam and Abaya, who Bam, 16 points, 8 rebounds, and I, like, again, he had a good game. He shot 50% or more from the floor, but Obi Toppin, his first ever start in the NBA playoffs for injured Julius Randle, 18 points, 8 rebounds. I thought we were going to do better. I thought we were going to do better. And this is also a game with no Randle, as well as no Mitchell Robbins, my apologies, there was Mitch Robinson, but you barely felt it offensively. Honestly, I almost forgot in the middle of my head, but you barely felt it offensively unless you were looking at rebounds. He had 14 rebounds in this one. 14. Five of them offensive rebounds. Bam and Obayo, who had eight rebounds in this one and 16 points as I mentioned before. I wanted more out of him. I wanted like a Bam and Obayo 25-point game. I want a dominant game in the post against the Knicks, which 
I don't think there's been a single person that been able to do that so far this year in the playoffs. And we're talking about the Cavaliers had like two big time seven footer guys, young guys. Like the Knicks are hard defensively down low. And I think that's the number one thing that an NBA team, let alone any basketball team, I mean, it's basketball elementary, basically. Like it's basketball 101. If you control the paint, you're controlling the game. So for the Miami Heat, I want to see a Bam and a Bio 25 piece. And they need a 25 piece out of Bam and a Bio, or at least something close to the 20s, where you have them dominating the game in the low post. Because how long is this Kyle Lowry going to last? Like, how long is there these top games for Kyle Lowry going to last? How long is the Gabe Vincent games going to last? How long is Kevin Love and this streak of him winning the last four games as a starter since coming back to the starting lineup going to last for Miami? And how long will Jimmy Butler stay on the floor in game two and potentially the rest of this series? As I mentioned before, we have no idea how deep or how bad this injury is. I don't think it's going to be that bad where he's gone for multiple games. I think at least game two. I think it comes back game three. That's what I'm thinking. And he could play on that leg, on that ankle for game two, if it does come to that. But Miami already got the win in New York, though. Do they need him back? That's the only question I have about that series. What will game two look like if Julius Randle comes back? That's the only thing. Thank you again for listening on to this part one of the second round start for the Eastern Conference. We'll go into the West Conference in part two coming up soon on another episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.